Hello, and welcome to the Kosh. I'm your host, Timber Smith. Hello, Kosh listeners. Uh, the Kosh is a podcast that spotlights people who had an association with the Kosh or the surrounding Fox Cities area. How's everybody doing this morning? Um, look, yes, I'm going to complain. I got a weather complaint. It's what I do. It's what I do. I'm sorry, y'all got to suffer through this every time. But right now, it is snowing again. And I'm mad at this groundhog because I do believe that the groundhog, I believe like we are, if we're not six weeks away, we're like four weeks away from what the groundhog had to say. And the groundhog said it was going to be spring, if I am correct. And so uh, can we can we get rid of these multi inches of snow and get to this spring? Like, I'm just I'm just trying to say, you know what I'm saying? But I will say this. The thing I enjoy about the multi inches of snow is me and the order of snowblower neighbors are getting it in right now. Like I do enjoy this snowblower time. I get to put on my orange suit. I get out there. I, you know, I'm looking at the neighbor with his humongous snowblower. We're looking at each other. We make eye contact. We point at each other like, yeah, we get to use it. <laughs> and there's no sense in having these wonderful power tools if you don't get an opportunity to use these things. So they make me that part of snow makes me happy. I feel some kind of way about it. All right. Enough of my rant. Um, gosh, listeners, you know what I'm going to say once again. Once again, why do I get these wonderful guests? I get these fire guests. And um, this morning in particular, like, I am crazy excited about who we have as a guest. Um, I've had the opportunity to sit down with them and um, really have, like, deep conversation. Uh, sometimes you you meet some people and they, they uh, when your soul is getting emptied, from the things from the world around you, from the universe, right? You have to meet those people that refill the soul. And uh, we've shared a conversation or two, and uh, our conversations have been fire, which means that I know that the conversation we're about to have here on the Kosh is about to be fire. So I'm super excited about this. And so without further ado, this week's guest is Rafa Figueroa. Did I get that right? You did. Hey. Look. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? I am doing great. Um, had an awesome commute to get here, and I'm excited to talk about stuff. Oh. And things. You're ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Ready. Very Look. ready. Yes, yes. Okay, so, you know what? We ain't going to mess around. We're going to jump in. So, uh, okay. Rafa, can you please share a little something about yourself and your connection to the uh, the Kosh or the surrounding Fox Cities area? Okay. First off, I originally am from New York City. Uh, lived Bruh. there. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> what a change. Came out here in 2013 with my wife, uh, Ariella, and moved to Appleton with literally nothing. We came here with nothing to start her New adventure into getting her bachelor's at Lawrence University uh, on a full scholarship from a scholarship program that she was involved in uh, called the Kaplan Leadership Foundation, uh, which is an awesome program for inner city kids. And like, it's the reason we're here. Um, I had a full career in the culinary industry. I'm a former chef. Mm-hmm. And, and hospitality manager with like 12 plus years experience. You know, you're not getting out of that. 
We going to talk oh, about I, that. Oh, we definitely are. It's mm. it's always a thing. Um, I cooked for a long time. I cooked when I was over here. I worked at Lawrence University as a cook. So not only did my wife do homework and go to the university, but I made her breakfast, lunch, and dinner at my job every day. So that was fun. What? Yeah. And it was funny because all of my coworkers used to be like, hey, your wife's outside. You're going to go feed her? Bruh. I'm like, oh, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, can you can you not? Like, like I, I see her every day. I love you, baby. Uh, but I see her every day. I feed her every day. Why are you like? being that way <laughs> why because co-workers are cruel you know and it's like what do you think like you're not a good cook you you can feed her <laughs> <laughs> you trying to say that you're gonna poison my wife they like, they wrong that's how it was it was just wrong no but that's how we, that's how it is in the kitchen we all just do that to each other but it's good times i mean um but yeah got here in 2013 um with literally nothing started from the ground up i was supporting us and then once my wife graduated, um, I decided I wanted to go back to school. And that wasn't the original plan. The original plan was for my wife to get her bachelor's and for us to peace out back home. Oh, so you were going to head back? We were going to head back to New York or something. Uh, and that didn't happen. Um, I went to school to change careers. I got injured in 2014, actually, and was just like, hmm, I need to go back to school. I'm out of work for months, recovering from a knee injury. I can't walk. So my, my come to Jesus moment was like one small injury away from being unable to work in the field I want. So let's learn something new. That something was software development, which is something I was always interested in. So I went to Fox Valley Tech, got my software development degree, and then got into the field. So, and now that's what I do for a living. Mm. Um, that's the kind of the long story short of it, because Lordy, I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that's fascinating, and and it makes sense. So if you were gonna, if you had got a knee injury, and I feel like when you work in food industries, you're on your feet all the time, like twenty four seven. Yeah, that's like to me, that's the most detrimental part of doing food industry. Everything else would seem fun, except for the fact that you're standing all day. Standing all day, you're working in super hot, super dangerous environments. Um, you know, you can slip and fall, you burn yourself. I mean. It's it's par for the course. You know, you cut yourself. Oh, I didn't cut myself, thankfully. I knew plenty of people that did. Um, workplace injuries are very common in the food industry. Um, and it's one of those things where you kind of learn to deal with your environment, you know? But you also have to be a little crazy to work in the food industry. <laughs> We're all a little crazy. Bruh. Mm-hmm. All of us. I mean. There's some food industry workers right now listening and they're going, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we're all a little nuts and uh you know it folks actors people in the food industry all kind of like share that common we're all a little crazy um and that's kind of how we all bond because i know plenty of folks that still work in the food industry and we all share very similar interests <laughs> it's just a thing see i'm not gonna lie in the it industry i would think that people drive you to be crazy Oh, yeah, sure. Because, you know, the, like when people are calling with their problems because that's what they're doing. They're calling with their problems and they're like, uh, this doesn't work and this doesn't work. Well, yeah. Um, can you press enter? <laughs> yeah, that. Okay, see, and this is the thing. I'm glad you said that, though, because that opens up the door because IT gets lumped in to that whole thing all the time where it's like, oh, you, you work in IT. That means you fix computers. 
kind of, sometimes, maybe, depending on where I am. <laughs> um, do you fix computers or do you fix us? I fix the code that fixes you. Um, I'm a, right now, I am a senior software engineer for a company based in Milwaukee. And yeah, my, my job is to write, fix, and deploy code. Um, I don't fix technical problems. We have a help desk for that. Right. Um, but often people hear IT and they immediately think, you know, oh, you can fix my printer. And it's like, I don't want to even look at your printer. <laughs> I, like, your printer is the least of my worries. My worry right now is that an entire batch of code that we deployed is breaking now because a website that we talked to is just not working. So we have to figure it out. Your printer can wait, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I just had a moment of being in my feelings because I felt like you were talking to me. <laughs> Seriously, the amount of people that I know that know I work in IT are just like, "Can you fit?" Nope. It used to be that I'd jump at any moment to just help everyone, but I'm like. Your problems can take a long time to fix, and my time is valuable. I learned that lesson the hard way. I have to value my own time. Facts. So now, Facts. people are like, can you fix this? I'm like, can you pay me? Bruh. Facts. I, I, I appreciate that. So, all right. So, you were thinking about coming or going back to New York. That mm -hmm. didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Went to school. Found this career. I've been in the region for a while now. Yeah. Um, siblings? Uh, unfortunately, my sister passed away in 2014. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, man. Yeah, my sister Jasmine, um, she was 37. She passed away due to heart, uh, heart issues. She had a lifelong condition caused by a genetic mutation called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And what that basically means in layman's terms is that her arteries kept thickening to the point where they were starving her heart of the necessary blood and oxygen that it needed so essentially it atrophied over time um, the severity of which can vary from person to person and it's pretty much a guarantee that you will need a heart transplant at some point which she got when she was around 26 um, back in those days 20, like what 8 years now? Th 9 years ago? Uh, is when she passed away. She got her transplant 11 years prior to that. So, yeah, math says 2002, 2003-ish. Mm. Um, yeah, so she had a heart transplant at a really young age, lasted 11 years. And then, yeah, the life expectancy was only about five, though, for a transplanted organ at that time. Mm. Um it has since increased dramatically. Now we're looking at around 20 average. Oh. Yeah. So there's that. Um, that was my only sibling. Oh. And I just recently turned 38 this year. So I am now older than she was when she passed away, which is a weird feeling. It's like, whoa, I'm the eldest now. Rafa, I can't believe you actually just spoke upon age. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> With exact numbers. Well, yeah, why not? <laughs> Listen, one thing you're going to learn about me through this podcast episode is that I do not hide who I am. I do know this. Mm -hmm. Facts. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You ready to jump into the first segment? Oh, for sure. 
Okay, the first segment is called What in the World is Going On With? That's where you start with the phrase What in the World is Going On With? And you tell us what's on your mind. Good Lord. Um, What in the world is going on with literally everything? But I'll be more specific. Uh, Right now, one of the big hot button issues, more like on fire flaming issue, is all of the anti-trans legislation that's happening. Bruh. Facts. I, I say this as a trans person, um, and not only a trans person, but a trans person of color. Um, so yeah, I'm a trans woman, and what is going on with this planet? <laughs> um, especially all of the uh, anti-trans bills that are being passed. Uh, something to the tune of about three to 400 bills have been passed. Nationwide? Nationwide. That's bonkers. Which... Um, that's that surprised the hell out of me too. Um, because you hear, you've, you've maybe heard about the bigger ones in like Tennessee and Florida and maybe one or two in Arkansas, but there's a lot everywhere where it's, it's all under the guise of like, oh, you know, we got to protect the children and all this stuff, but it's not, it's nothing but just trying to ostracize an entire group of people for a lot of really deeply political reasons um yeah i mean we can we can go deep into this if we if if you're really comfortable with it i am i look this is our conversation um and here's the thing i don't to be transparent i don't know what i don't know and i definitely don't know all the bills that are getting passed or anything like this but what i will say is um I saw a meme and this is so bad, but I mean, memes are a way to really give you perspective. Sometimes, sometimes memes really set, give you perspective on the world. And there was this meme that was talking about um, basically transgender rights and these, you know, all of the efforts being, being put forth to this different legislation to discriminate and, and, to hold people down or, or, but we won't do that for guns and kids. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's like, okay, so if you put forth, you know, a half, a a three quarters, a quarter of the effort that you're putting forth towards this, you just said three to 400 bills. Mm -hmm. Where's, where's the bills for our kids and, and, and weapons and, and safety when, the one thing we hear about consistently and was really surprised the last mass shooting like that right now we're averaging a mass shooting a day. Which is insane to think about. It's insane to think about. But where are those bills? Mm-hmm. We ain't got no bills. There's no money in those bills. That's why. Ultimately, that's that's the key here. Um, you have to follow the money. Why don't certain things get, you know, funding and and the visibility and the research and all of that stuff that we would expect for something that is considered a serious issue? As as the saying goes, sometimes treating the symptom is more profitable than actually offering a cure. Oh, facts. So that's yeah. that's facts. It's it's one of those things where one from a political standpoint, it's really easy to rile up an entire base 
around one or two really easy to grasp issues like we're coming for your guns or something to that effect and we got to protect the children. Those two things are really easy to get behind. And, you know, for most people, they would think, well, of course I want to protect children and of course I want to keep my right to bear arms and all these things. But it's being twisted and manipulated for a very small subset of people's personal gain. And that's just really politics in general. Mm. You piss enough people off, you get people supporting what you push. You're not doing it out of the kindness of your heart. You're doing it for a reason. Oh, yeah. I, I My feeling right now is the, the what we're doing, what's happening in politics to me is no longer is it about the people. It's about gaining power and, and, and reelection and positioning. Right. So like, we're not, we're not writing things that are good for all of us or even trying anymore. We're, we're, we're navigating, we're arguing, we're fighting and pushing all of these kind of ridiculous social issues, Mm -hmm. but none of that is, uh, and, and, and I don't know about you, but I don't think none of that's helping like, pocketbooks and 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 my favorite man uh that i ever remember politically is the rent is too doggone high man yep um you know and and those kinds of things like where's the the legislation where where that some are focused on and seems to take over the news and stuff is all stuff to divide us separate us so you can run for office off of these social issues which which your subset base and you're not trying to fix anything or do anything for the greater good of all of us in the nation no it's not about that at all it's it's ceased being about that ages ago um and i think the person that really encapsulated the idea best is one of my favorite all-time comics uh who has since been passed away a long time ago uh george carlin one of my favorites and he's the line is this referring to politics it's a big club and you ain't in it and (laughs) and that's all of us right now everybody who isn't in politics who isn't a you know really rich ceo who isn't a really powerful person in our society we're all in the same boat we're just being treated as though we're all in different boats and some are on you know safer waters than others no we're all suffering (laughs) like let's be real we're all dealing with high prices of everything and people love to like blame one person because it's easy to do that right people go oh it's the president Mm -hmm. or what have you it's like no it's not the president the president doesn't set the price of gas Mm -hmm. the president doesn't set the price of your eggs which lordy when that price went up, I was like, are we in the end times? <laughs> this is really late stage capitalism where eggs are now like 10 bucks a dozen. Uh, yeah. So it, it, gave, it gave a new point of view to the urban chickens. No kidding. <laughs> I was like, my wife and I were like looking at each other like, are we going to have to start gardening indoors and like, raising our own chickens and everything like are we gonna have to start doing that now and we we had that serious conversation we okay real talk i have an entire hydroponics kit ready to go in my house ready ready Mm -hmm. and i'm just like 
I just got to start doing stuff, but it's there. Mm. And I'm just like planning and hoping that we don't need it, but it might not be such a bad idea anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, being I have a food background, I know what to do with all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. Well, I think to grow your own herbs would be fantastic. Oh, definitely. That is like game changer. Yeah. Even like during the summer months when like the farmer's markets are all in full swing and everybody's selling all their herbs and things. It's fantastic to just get fresh stuff and just plant it yourself and just let it keep growing. Yeah. It saves a lot of money. So, yeah. I I kind of I kind of took you off trail to come and I'm going to circle back to okay. these the these 3 to 400 bills. Yes. What are these bills even about? Uh you know? Um, like I'm 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 super like and 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 like I feel like like I'm a political junkie to an extent <laughs> and I tune in literally every day and you know I'm I like to think that I'm paying attention, but I can only pay attention to what they're telling. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I feel like this is something like it's a headline, but no one goes into the details. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where also, I mean, I, I fall victim to essentially doom scrolling Reddit and various other online places where I'm just like, Oh my God, look at all this terrible thing. Look at all of these things that are happening. It's like, what is going on in the world with these bills? Um, the most prominent of which are in Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas. An example, um, really the, the point of all of them is that they are trying to police people and identity and maintain what are viewed as traditional values. Take that as you will. Uh, you know, I'm not here to bash anyone's religion or political affiliation. I'm here to talk about things that are happening. And I'm not trying to be the jerk to say it's this group, you know, because then I'd be no different. Right. Than saying, you know, than someone saying, oh, it's all trans people or the, the quote unquote groomers of the world. And it's like, uh, what? Like what? You've heard this, I'm sure you know, trans folks being called groomers or more oh. gay being called groomers or all of these oh, things. You know, I guess I've never heard it as a legitimate term. Only right? recently. You I've heard it as people suggesting that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So more of a verb mm -hmm. than a noun is yeah. what I would say. So one of the things that's being kind of use as a justification is that uh now it is basically um a crime to do gender performance for for one so like in tennessee drag shows are basically illegal um Bruh. yeah so if you are basically suspected of performing gender that is not your assigned gender at birth which they left it intentionally vague so that people can just be cracked down on. It's easy to stamp out something when you make a really general sweeping definition of what something is. Oh, absolutely. So, and I mean, we, we've seen this before at, at every point in history. Um, what are they going to do with all those Medea movies? You know, <laughs> Is that, just is that contraband does, now? Wait, does that not fall under the... I mean, people don't think like that, but doesn't that fall under? Yeah. 
I mean, it does squarely in the crosshairs of what the definition of that is gender performance. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm thinking of a number of movies, not the only, famous popular movies. Not only that, but like theater. Yes. Shakespeare much? You know, like you're, you're making it so that everything is an issue when it's never been an issue. Um, yeah. So that's one. Um, I believe it was Arkansas. Don't don't quote me, but it was either Arkansas or Tennessee that is basically pushing to make it a misdemeanor or a felony to essentially cross dress or be trans in the presence of a minor in a bathroom. I'm sorry. What? I'm just there to pee. <laughs> It's wild when you say it out loud. Like, it's just... Bruh. Like, mm. I don't go into the bathroom to do anything except, you know, void my bowels. <laughs> I, I do believe that's kind of where we are. I don't you know? see anybody kind of hanging out there. You know? And it's like, it, the only other thing I'm doing is, and I'm looking at everyone else right now, washing my hands. <laughs> People who don't wash their hands after going to the bathroom, you know who you are. <laughs> Um, and after that I'm just like checking my hair checking my makeup and then getting out of the bathroom because it's gross in a public bathroom I don't want to linger I don't know I've never seen anybody who's ever wanted to linger in the public bathroom like seriously who does that (laughs) right who does that that's okay so that's one. Um, and of course, the, the common theme here is that we're using kids as a political tool. And it's like, do, do you not see that our kids are living in fear of going to school? Like, can we focus on that maybe? How about that? Like you said, there's been a bunch of school shootings. Why aren't we doing something there? Yeah, life or death. You know, um, my own niece has called me saying oh auntie we have a lockdown going on and i'm like why oh some kid brought a gun why do you know this kid no but i think he was mad because he got a bad grade or he was getting bullied or any of the other really smaller reasons not that bullying is small but Where's the uh, mental health services? Where's the support? Where's the, like... Where's those bills? Where's those bills? Where, where, where are all those things that are just, like, there to actually help our kids feel safe? I'm sorry, but I thought this was a joke, but they sell bulletproof inserts for backpacks now. No. I'm not even kidding. No, I actually think I saw that. And I'm just like, is this where we are? And are we, we're, are we really okay with this? As as a society, really, we're okay with this. Just yeah, yeah. You know, I just went to you know Staples to get supplies from my kid, and you know, got the usual pencils, pens, a sharpener, a couple of erasers, a couple of bulletproof inserts. Is this where we are? Facts. And yet, you know, that's normal. But God forbid, a trans person or a gender nonconforming person or an any person decides they want to go into a bathroom and god forbid there's a kid in there what do we do 
if they happen to see a person, oh my lord, a person using the bathroom. I should hope that you've taught your kids well enough not to stare. Uh, yeah, I, I do think these. I don't think you even have to teach. These are you know, things that just happen. There's, there's, there's just an understanding. There's just an uncomfortability in the back. You know, <laughs> overall, like, no one like it's one of those things. It's like um, it's like forced fun at work. You know, it's like Bruh. we're all here, and none of us really want to be. And we're being told that we have to like. Just share this space for a little while. I want to get out of here as soon as humanly possible, please. Like, yeah. Can we do that? Can we just, like, not linger here? Like forced, I said. Forced you know, fun. Forced fun. You know. You know. Uh, look, I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to say nothing. Uh, listen, I think I'm making a lot of enemies right now. And Mm-mm. you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm used to being, you know. Yeah. I, hey, look. Wait. I'm just saying, you know. I, I, you know what? I might be part of the forced fund, so I'm, I'm going to be careful. You work in administration. You're part of the problem. To, I'm kidding. I, I might be. You know, I might no, be. No, you do good work. You do good work. I've seen it. I've seen uh, it. All right. So I'm going to, my what in the world is going on with is, what in the world is going on with people still feeling comfortable enough to use the term boy with a black man? Oh, good Lord. All All right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just, I'm going to frame this out. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, uh, went out last night to go watch the UWO men's team in the elite eight basketball game. Right. And there was a party and a drinking party at, 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 at Beckett's and I'm having a good time. With the wife, some 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 other people came out. It was full of UWO people. You know that's that's my my home. Those are my my those are my brothers and sisters. Um, and they this gentleman who came from another establishment and he knew some of the people we were with, and he's first of all. There's this thing that certain people, when they're trying to try whatever, like they want to do this thing with me about my name. Okay. Right. And it's like, oh, what's your name? Timber. That ain't what your parents named you. No, it's not. But it's the only name you're going to get to use. Correct. (laughs) It's it's just how it goes down. I was like, if you use any other name, no one's even going to know who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. So after we got done doing that, because the the people that press that, I never understand because if, if in any, and, and here's the funny thing what this person didn't know is like that. I've actually seen them before, um, in other circumstances, um, such as bowling, Mm. because I've been a long time bowler here in the cash back in the day. And, uh, you know, and then, so this isn't somebody that uh, they thought they were unfamiliar, but they were actually familiar. Gotcha. Right. And so, you know, when you got other people with their names and there's a lot of nicknames floating around here, you know, of other individuals, uh, never see that pushback, but they decided we're going to push back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so we, you know, we kind of shut that down. 
you know, and we we keep it moving because it ain't that serious to me. I'm trying to watch this game, mm-hmm. and I had some good appetizers. Uh, my cocktail tasted pretty tasty. I was pretty good, right? And so then the next thing was they went into something, and this just tells you, like when they had when they made you know that 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 phrase that that thing where people are like you know i may not remember what you said but i remember how you made me feel oh yeah i don't remember what he said but i know he mm-hmm. called me a boy oh good lord and it wasn't like it wasn't malicious it wasn't malicious usually it, never is it right it it was but what i will also say is this i did not get the feeling you know because there's certain things like you have phrasings and you say certain things all the time so you may let something slip mm-hmm. because that's part of your vernacular it's just part of the way you speak and stuff like that but this wasn't that mm. i could feel that part right so there wasn't any malicious intent but they're also this was not part of their everyday vocabulary right now I had my moment because I have these moments and I and I, and where I do go to is like what am I willing to lose? <laughs> it's always that question. <laughs> like how far am I willing what hill am I willing to die on? Well, right you know, it's like uh, what am I willing to lose? Okay, uh, I'm not willing to lose anything on this. This mm-hmm. isn't worth losing anything at all. Now, God bless, I have a fantastic wife who was with it caught the earshot of it and came flying in and was like she she totally course corrected checked made sure uh, uh changed changed the terminology to gentlemen and gentlemen's and everything else from that point forward and just went in right but did it in a way where did not take dignity away but definitely made them know you can't do that that's unacceptable right and I appreciate, I love her. I appreciate her for coming in and doing that. So I didn't have to do it because if I have to do it, there's emotions tied to it. And it wasn't going to be as um, nice. Mm-hmm. Right. Been there. Yeah. That. So that's what's up. So I, I, so I don't want to, I don't want to linger, linger on it. But what I do want to say is um, by now um, people, People out there of the general public, people, and, and I don't feel like I got to say this to a, a, a whole lot of the Kosh listeners because I, I feel like this is a very informed audience, a very caring and acknowledged, uh, knowledgeable audience. But um, can we just not call? If, if we, let's not use the phrase, no matter how you may think it may, whatever you're trying to do, let's just not use boy and black men together. Let's just not do that. That's just it's no. I'm just a, it's a hard no. Agreed. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. It doesn't that's have to it. be anything. Nope. More than I that. I don't got nothing else to say about it other than that. Other than I needed to say this out loud. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to make sure everybody else understands the intentional or unintentional disrespect that comes with it. Yep, there's connotations. And that definitely seems to be a thing among us people of color where we pick up on all those things real quickly mm. because 
we're used to having to decode what people say and what they mean and how those things don't always match mm. because people like to say things but keep a certain facade so they don't they can uh, have plausible deniability that they weren't trying to be jerks and you know you learn <laughs> you, that's just anybody who's listening who's a person of color you know exactly mm-hmm. what we're talking about and like we'll talk about this a little bit later but code switching but like that's in the sense of we know how to decode what we hear not how we communicate but again i'm getting ahead of myself here we'll get there we'll get there all right ready for the next segment definitely next segment is word associations i'm going to say a word you're going to tell us what's on your mind um and the first word the great word the unifying word food more please facts i'm a glutton what um, bro <laughs> i'm a glutton. love that term like seriously that is the that is my deadly sin gluttony um i embrace it completely when it comes to food um yeah i can never have enough food um and i can never have enough different kinds of food variety literally is my spice of life um being from the food industry for many years, I got to eat all sorts of really cool things from all sorts of different locales in the world. And my experience is rather broad. So I don't like to eat the same old, same old. Um, I'm actually, just to give a little more background, I'm classically trained in French culinary technique. Um, so you think of like Julia Child mm. and the things that she would make. Those were like the first things I learned how to make in a professional sense. Um, so yeah, I, I know all of the classical French techniques, but my specialty is actually Southeast Asian food. Um, that's my jam. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm thinking about Southeast Asian food, I really want pho. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to invite. Yes, definitely. We can do that. There's all right. I'm just plenty of good places. And I'm just saying like, we, we, I'm not one to talk about. I'm one to be about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cocktail or beer? More, please. Mm. <laughs> this, too. Does this also fall under the gluttony? Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm not an alcoholic, but it's it's another one of those things of, like, life is meant to be enjoyed, so I'm going to enjoy it. And there's more than one kind of beer and more than one kind of wine and more than one kind of cocktail and more than, yeah. So give me all the things. I want to try everything. Um I wanted to be a sommelier when I was younger. Um, so I was always tasting wine and going to things and learning as much as I could. Uh, I managed the wine store for a number of years. So Is that code for I really want to be bougie? I mean, some people might think that. <laughs> some it's, people do. it's where I went. <laughs> exactly. Here's the thing. I will say this about like wine specifically. Drink what you like. People get so caught up on the, what's good wine? What do you like? I would tell this to people who I knew all the time who would ask me, what do you recommend? What do you like? Food and beverage are subjective. Anyone that can say, I'm an expert on this in terms of a subjective thing is probably BSing you. (laughs) Um, To be fair, 
yes, there are some measures of what makes a good food dish, what makes a good beverage. You know, there are general characteristics that you can lay out and, and go, okay, because this wine has this characteristic, it is generally considered to be a good wine or what have you. Okay. But to say that one is, you know, objectively better than another is hogwash. It's just nonsense, absolute nonsense, because like my wife likes to say, I'm not going to yuck your yum, mm. you know? Um, that's that's facts right there. Like, Bruh. facts. Like, for some people, you know, box wine is the bee's knees. <laughs> Look. I'm not going to lie. I was personally thinking while we were having this conversation. Now, first of all, I'm probably the worst person with wine because I just call it juice. And my daughter will tell you this, that I'm just like wine's juice. And if it's in the fridge and it's cold, I'm drinking it like it's juice. I have no problems with that. And my favorite wine is a $4 wine at Aldi's. That is a great wine. Uh, there's like three or four flavors that they have for that $4. And you know how I know it's good? Because you can hardly ever get it. It's always sold out. But that wine at Aldi's for $4 is my wine. Not for nothing. I'm going to just jump on this with you. The Prosecco that they sell at Aldi is my and my wife's favorite. Mm. Seriously. Bruh. We have not found anything that we like more and this damn Prosecco. It's so good. Um, I don't understand. Like, because, you know, you think when it comes to food and wine, you get what you pay for. You can get a deal and it can be amazing. Look, shout out to all these. For real. Yeah. Like, I just got groceries from them yesterday. Yeah, so Yeah. Don't don't sleep on all these. Mm -hmm. They got some things. Concert. I laughed when I heard this word because my first thing was actually Lawrence University when oh. I heard concert um, because of the conservatory, but not just the conservatory. All of the events they put on, which were unfortunately on hold through the pandemic and everything, which got kind of ruined because of that. But concerts are coming back and they've been doing things from what I understand. Um, I have had some of the honest experiences going to a performance at Lawrence University. Um, the amount of variety that I've encountered. Uh, jazz. So, they I just mean, had Winston Marcellus. Yeah, like, exactly. uh, what was that, two months ago or a month and a half ago? Yeah. I mean, it runs the gamut with what they offer. And you get exposure to things that, I mean, you wouldn't normally ever hear unless you sought it out. And you usually would have to go outside of Appleton for that sort of thing. You'd have to go outside of the Fox cities for that sort of thing. Right. You'd have to go to a major city. Yeah, a major city. And the fact that Lawrence University can bring awesome performances in a variety of genres is kind of dope, in my opinion. Uh, I'm musically inclined myself. I do play the violin. Not at a conservatory level, nearly. Um, more of a hobby. But um, I have an appreciation for it, for sure. And, yeah, I went, one of the most memorable performances I witnessed was a Latin jazz group. I, the name escapes me because it's been long enough, but the music and the feel of that performance just stuck with me because also I'm Puerto Rican, so that's part of my heritage. 
you know? Right. Um, and it's just awesome to see that brought to a place like out here. Bruh. You know? Facts. Like, we want to talk about all sorts of things about diversity and such. And that's one of the ways. It's not just about having me a really intersectional person of color who's an LGBT individual and just plop me in a room full of people and go, look, diversity. About bringing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know exactly what I mean. Ooh, I, I do, but but I wasn't ready for it. I mean, I told you. Yeah, I, that, correct. I'm not pulling punches. Facts. And like, you know, getting getting experiences that aren't your normal daily experiences are part of what diversity means. So, but again, putting the cart before the horse, we're going to get to that. <laughs> All right. Shop local. Okay, real talk. So this is getting more into my identity as a trans woman. There is a lovely woman who owns a wig shop on Wisconsin Ave in Appleton called uh, Intrigue Fashion and Beauty Supply. Lordy, the quality of the wigs I got from her blew my mind. And I was like, why don't you have more business? <laughs> and I know this is kind of like we're doing a shout out without being in oh, a no, shout out. A, that's a shout out. Let's, let's but play. like, goodness, this woman made me feel so welcomed at this place. And she helped me try on the wigs and she helped me like really just feel comfortable in my own skin. And damn, I looked good. Like, let's, I'm, I don't like to be vain or sound arrogant, but she picked some ones that were just like, mm, yeah, I'd take me out on a date. <laughs> they were fire. They were amazingly fire. They were fantastic. Bruh. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's shop local for me. I go there pretty regularly now. <laughs> Code switch. Okay. Mentioned it before, now we're getting into it. Code switching, I do it often. I do it every day. I'm sure you do too. Oh yeah, it's it's very much just part of the fabric. Yeah, and for anybody that might not know what that means, which, I mean, I've had to explain this to people too, code switching is basically when you change your vocabulary, your intonation, your pronunciation, Everything about the way you communicate. Your tone. Your tone in reference to whom your listener is. Um, so, for instance, I'm going to give you a really stark example. When I'm talking to somebody from back home, from the city, from my neighborhood, my accent changes completely. Not only that, but my vocabulary changes completely. And the way I pronounce certain words changes completely. Mm. One of the, the key phrases that my wife still laughs at me to this day about is the phrase, look at this, right? You heard how nicely and clearly I said, look at this. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in New York mode, that's not look at this. It's look at this. Bruh. <laughs> My words blend together and everything is all of a sudden just this amalgamation of a sentence. It's not, hey, how are you? It's like, yo, what up? facts you know you just change how you speak depending on who you're speaking to i'm not going to speak to one of my neighbors from the hood like good morning sir how are you and be like que lo que? you know busting out the spanish because i come from a spanish neighborhood you know it's gonna be straight up like hey how you doing what's going on you feeling mm. all right today mm. what's good <laughs> facts you know and like okay one of the things i've been trying to like 
keep in reference to code switching is is kind of like where I come from because being here for 10 years now does something to that part of you that was raised in a certain place in a certain time. Oh, absolutely. You begin to lose those things that you don't get exposure to. Um, so I'm trying to like reincorporate some of my old vernacular into my everyday speech. Mm-hmm. So for all of you, Kosh listeners out there, I'm going to give you a vocabulary lesson really quick. It's really cold outside right now in New York, especially in the hood. We don't say it's cold. We say it's brick outside. Brick is the term for cold. Why? I have no idea, but that's the word. And my guess is that it comes from when we used to sit outside at the stoop outside of our building and they were usually made of brick. When it got cold, those bricks were freezing. Super cold. You would feel that right through your butt, all the way to your bones. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how it got stuck. It's just brick outside. Oh, I got you. So there's that. Enjoy. <laughs> no, I like that. <laughs> it's always nice to to pick up those, um, just those terms that, that make you authentic to said region. Yeah. One I get called out on all the time, and then sometimes I have to remember, am I making these terms up myself? Right. Because I might be. But one I use all the time is the mill. Oh, I got you. Right. So, like, when I'm talking to people, and it's Milwaukee, I'm always like, yeah, where are you from? The mill. They like the mill. And then people look at me like I'm crazy. And I was like, Milwaukee, the mill. And then I'm like... People totally give me that, you know, that look of like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm thinking like Milwaukee's like one of the is like a major city here in Wisconsin, like the mill. And then and, and I forget. So like, mm-hmm. but then have I been here so long that the mill really isn't a term and it's just something I created? <laughs> you never know. I mean, honestly, I don't know because I don't remember now mm-hmm. if the term now have me and my have me and my circle of people from, you know, over many, many years used the term, the mill. Absolutely. Like when I was in college and, and, my, and my, the circles I ran with and my frat bros and stuff and we, mm-hmm. the mill, they knew what the mill was. Right. But now like I still use these terms and people are like, huh? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Or is it an age thing? Have I just aged out of certain terms because that, you know, that's the other one. There's certain terms I use and when I used to work with students, they would say things to me like, you sound like my uncle. Oh, good Lord. And I'd be like, oh, that hurt. That hurts. But then again, I didn't stop using it. Mm-hmm. Like the term cats. Okay. I used the term cats. Got you. You kicking it with them cats? What? And they'd be like, and I could just see it on their face. And they mm-hmm. catch it. Mm-hmm. Cats. Oh, yeah. like, what in? Cats. That'd be like cats. This reference is unknown to me. They would say. <laughs> you could just tell there was a there was this total breakdown. Like I might know what you're referring to, but that sounds really old. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm gonna be that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna own that. Uncle Timber. I'm gonna just go own. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> Watch it, it now. Watch out now, bruh. <laughs> Don't think I would look. That's my that's my time frame now. That, that watch out now. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Code switch. I love this. <laughs> um, next word. Last word. Diversity. Mm-hmm. Holy grail. <laughs> yeah, it's not just plopping somebody of color in a room and going, yeah, we did it. Um, basically, for me, diversity has come to mean so much more than... What I like to say, what I like to say is uh, flag waving. People love to signal support for something, and they go, "Yeah, of course, diversity is amazing." But what have you done personally? And I'm not talking about start a movement. <laughs> I'm not talking about you know these earth shatteringly huge things. What have you done to further your understanding and and support of diversity? Do you talk to people from? backgrounds that are not like yours and don't get me wrong people get stuck on the idea of diversity being specifically a person of color right and like they don't understand that diversity means so much more than my skin tone or my sexual orientation or my gender identity it's you know my health conditions it's my job experience my economic background my education my financial status everything everything about you as a person makes you diverse you are not like other people sure you may congregate in places where there are a lot of people that share characteristics like you but you're still a diverse person you can't let this is another thing like you can't let what you hear in the news and in the media dictate what things actually mean because it's really easy to fall into the trap of like diversity means just this. And like for white folks out there, they might feel like, oh, diversity means anybody who doesn't look like me, which is patently false. Like that's not even remotely true. Like, I'm sorry, but all white people didn't just spawn out of the same like, <laughs> like you're not all the same. No one is. Everybody's got different backgrounds and experiences, and that makes you who you are. Diversity means... It makes you diverse. Yeah, yeah it makes you diverse. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. That's the, that's the hill I'll die on for me, like explaining what diversity means to people and getting it out of their head that it means just one thing. I'm with you, and, and Kosh listeners have heard me say it multiple, many too many times that my big thing always with that is is like it's you too that's the one i go towards is like when we're talking about diversity it's not the opportunity to other others it's we we're gonna right we're gonna make you understand we're talking about you too so when there are these things that are like we need to recognize our diversity we need to become more diverse we're talking about you too we're not excluding you in that that includes you because there's so like you've labeled several different uh, identities and categories and demographics throughout this whole conversation of of what diversity is and it's all of us Mm -hmm. in 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 a capacity now that being said i'm not trying to say like some needed more attention than others (laughs) <laughs> i mean yeah that's really yeah that, that that's the point but the point is is like that we should come together we we need to come together under the understanding that we're all diverse and therefore those who also are diverse who need support and allyship we got to show up for them 
Because mm-hmm. when if 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 it was us and our diversity who needed that, they would. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So love it. Okay. Next segment. The next segment is Ooh, hidden gems. That's right. I lost it for a second. Um, Kosh hidden gems. The Kosh hidden gems is the opportunity to share something in the region, or you know, it doesn't have to be an Oshkosh, can be you know, Fox Cities or whatever, but a gem where people don't know about it, or maybe they know about it, but they might not know something really cool about it. Definitely. Um, and for me, this is more Appleton centric simply because that's where I reside. So I'm around places a lot more. Um, and I don't know that it's exactly hidden, but one of my favorite little alcohol places to visit <laughs> is um, McFleshman's uh, McFleshman's Brewing Company on State Street in downtown Appleton. They are a brewery that focuses on like all their own in-house stuff. Um, I love their sour beers. Um, and it's run by, I, th- I think, a Lawrence professor and her husband, mm. if I'm correct. Okay. Um, and they make amazing stuff. And the ambience of that place is so cozy. It Seriously, it gives off like... If any of you have ever watched the the TV show Cheers from yes. back in the day, yes, it got that kind of feel. You know mm. what I mean? It, like you go in and you're like, oh, yeah, I can make friends here. Literally, kind of go where everybody knows your name, kind of deal. Right. And like they've got instruments you can play on the wall. Like they've got a guitar, they've got a violin, they got a, all sorts of cool stuff. They have performances, and it's just a cute place. Great beer. And it's just a nice little comforting, quiet place. Mm. And I wish more people would go. <laughs> I didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic little place. Mm. And it's right across the street from a taco store. So, <laughs> I'm speechless because you had me tacos and then fun place and yep. tacos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so go there. Get 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 beer, get tacos. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking we're coming up really close here up on uh, St. Patty's Day, so that sounds like a green beer opportunity. Yeah, man. I just you just reminded me that I got into a conversation with a friend of mine who happens to be Irish, and she was really upset about the St. Patty's Day thing um, because you know. Lord Patty was used derogatively um, back in the day, and now it's become a marketing thing. Mm. Um, funny how that works. Um, but but the thing is, um, my I guess patience and understanding was a little bit more limited to my friend. It was one of those instances of like, not that I'm trying to win the oppression Olympics here. Right. But I understand why that upsets you. But also, (laughs) there's all these other things that are issues too that you don't say anything about. Mm. And I give side eye. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, oh, when you feel targeted, then it's a problem. You know what I mean? Like, people say they're allies, but will say nothing unless something affects them. Right. That's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, oh, because now you feel personally attacked. You feel like it's an injustice being done to the entire world, which is, that's valid. That's fine. But it was more of a, you've never said anything when you've heard people say X, Y, and Z to me regarding my identity. So it's like, mm, you know, that's foul. <laughs> There's so many things, but I feel like if we open that Pandora's box, oh, yeah, that's, no a, that's a, that's a, that's 30 45 minutes in a whole nother direction oh definitely for sure so yeah <laughs> okay um what's the kosh need okay this is a really fun one and i think that it's one of those things that people look at me funny when i mention it but this is a coming from new york thing japanese or korean style karaoke bars Bruh. I don't even know what that is. Okay. So when people think of karaoke, usually they'll think of going to a bar and getting up in front of a bunch of people mm-hmm. and just butchering a song and just being half drunk and just doing whatever, right? Yes, right. Making everyone else suffer. Oh, there's some of that. Or, or making great glee at the suffering. True. True. So the thing, though, is that back home, in low, in downtown Manhattan, there are a bunch of karaoke places that are Korean or Japanese themed. And the way they operate is the way they do in Japan and Korea, which is you go into a building and you reserve a private room. Mm. Said private room is for you and your friends with your own private system. Um, and you can order food and drinks that get brought to your room. Um. We need that. There's there's a place in Appleton. There's a um, a storage warehouse, like one of those, like just put all your stuff there and kind of pay a monthly fee. Right. I'm like, what if someone took that building and converted it into into one of these kinds of places? That would be so dope. That just sounds like the great business, the next great business idea for the region. Because seriously, it's right by downtown. You have like all of these different little rooms and things that can be made up and who the heck wouldn't love to have like a private room where they can just be with their friends and just do whatever like those are some of my favorite memories back home going with a bunch of my friends just getting blasted off of our you know out of our faces and just singing and having fun without worrying about anybody else getting in the way or judging Rafa, can I say this? Uh, I'm going to say this is the first time I've ever said this. Like, I'm going to say I am a little disappointed in the answer only because I was hoping for bodegas. Listen, look, because I, I look, I've been studying the the love, the culture, the understanding of bodegas. At least I, maybe they romanticize it. Maybe it's not as good as what they make it sound. But I, I when I see things about bodegas and I watch YouTube videos about things that happen in bodegas and when you hear residents 
of New York. Talk about their bodegas. Those people walk on water. Listen, okay, you just touched on a very important part of my history. And, like, seriously, the bodega is very central to my life. Um, But I will say the reason that I would not apply that to a place like, you know, the Fox Cities is because bodegas are an inherently pedestrian thing. That's why. It's because mm. it is not a place you can drive to. That kind of defeats the, the, the purpose and soul of what a bodega is. Right. A bodega is not just a place you go that's like a hood version of a 7-Eleven. It is a meeting spot for the neighborhood. It is a cultural spot. It is a place where you, again, it has that cheers vibe, mm-hmm. except the cheers vibe is shared between you and the guy behind the counter who's probably going to make you a bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Because what I just mentioned is religion. That's religion right there. Um, <laughs> bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. If you go to New York and you say bacon, egg, and cheese, and you just say it just like that, super fast. See, and now I'm getting into my New York thing. I'm starting to talk faster. You get bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. That's home. You say that to anyone who's from home and they will just give you the knowing look of like, you know what's up. Because you know what? Even my wife, who does not eat bacon, knows that that is one of the most important mainstays of New York City. Bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. And you go to a bodega and you go every morning, probably, because you're off to commute somewhere. And it is an experience. It is a very different experience than going to like a subway or some other place where you just order something and just go. And you're usually in your car out here. No, you sit there, you more, more, more than likely stand. There's no seating. Right. And you wait and you're in line with like 20 other people and everybody's in a rush. But people like to say New Yorkers are rude. No, 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 no. We're busy. That's the difference. We're not rude. Bruh. We got places to be. We got long commutes. We got people to talk to. We got things to finish. I need my food, but also at the same time while I'm waiting, we are totally going to just talk about stuff while you're making my food. Like, hey, how's the fam? What's going on? How you doing today? You know, I, you know I've been coming here for like a year, and you'll know probably more about me over the course of that year than a bunch of my friends do. <laughs> the bodega person knows. Yeah, the bodega person will know the gossip. They, do, they just do. And like everybody kind of has an understanding that when you're in the bodega, you're going to get all sorts of types because it's New York, right? Mm-hmm. You get all sorts of people, all sorts of crazy folks, all sorts of like, you know, regulars. And everybody has an understanding. You act right in the bodega. You don't. You don't mistreat the bodega. <laughs> right. No, no one disrespects the bodega. Mm-hmm. But that's like such a community thing, which it really is. It's tied to the community. Um, it doesn't fit everywhere. That's the thing. It just doesn't. Not to say that I wouldn't love to see a bodega out here, but it is unfortunately a thing that requires people to be able to kind of come and go on foot. I feel like that's the major thing. I saw the reason I bring it up is because I'm not going to lie. I saw an article where I think it was a bodega owner who stopped a mass shooting and everybody celebrated around the fact that the bodega owner, like they're like, no, that's the real hero. 
right there is there's no surprises that the bodega man was the one to stop it oh of course i'm not even remotely surprised because that the he's the bodega person that's it and, yeah. that, and there was such reverence and respect behind it. I was just like, I need to read. I don't. Apparently, there's a part of life here that I don't understand, and I need to understand even more. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like the bodega dude knows knows everybody, you know, and that's his comp. That's his community too. So of course, when something's going on, he's gonna usually jump to action. I've seen it myself back home. Where the bodega guy didn't take no guff from nobody. <laughs> he squashed problems all the time. Uh, and, you know, everybody's got their guy. You know, everybody in their neighborhood has their guy. So, yeah, I'm not even a little surprised. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Next segment. Next segment is story time. This is a newer segment we've been trying out now for a couple episodes and it seems to be pretty good. Um, Kosh listeners, I'm still waiting to hear feedback, but it is the opportunity because I just think there is power in narrative um, to just share a narrative or or how many other narratives you would like about whatever you would like. Well, I talked about the, the short version of getting out here to Appleton and and moving from New York. I guess I can get into a little more detail now. Um, when I moved out here, I said we came with nothing. Um, if not for our best friend's parents basically gifting us a really generous gift of like 500 bucks, we would have had literally no money. Um, so they, they saved us right there. Uh, all of our stuff was being sent over via movers all of our stuff like it was so much um didn't have a car came here by amtrak we took a 30 hour train ride from new york to get all the way over here wow that was a fun fun experience yeah i enjoyed that greatly um i love trains so it's one of those things where i got to experience a, a bucket list item so i was like cool i'm all right with this um when we got here we got the keys to our apartment, which coincidentally was also through Lawrence University, um, being an amazing institution and actually doing more for us as a married couple to be accommodating for us than plenty of other schools that my wife had applied to who touted being so family focused and friendly. It was one of those things where we were like, wow, you guys are going above and beyond. You got us a place to live. Um, and they also helped me get a job. They were the reason I started working as soon as we got here. Um, so good on you, Lawrence. Y'all did good. Um, <laughs> but <Bruh>. it's, <laughs> it was fantastic. I was super excited to just have something to land on for us, you know, because I wanted my wife to just be able to focus on school. Right. That's what she was there for. I, she doesn't, and she won't have the time. She is going to be a full-time student and just, reading tons of books and writing tons of papers and somebody needs to make money. So hooray. Um, as I was doing all of this cooking and just kind of like living my day to day life, you know, I, I struggled constantly with this idea of finding my place in the world. Um, for years I had thought about like getting into an IT career and I never did it. Uh, I thought I wanted to be like a master chef and I couldn't find the motivation to go through with it. Um, 
And I always suffered from imposter syndrome, no matter what I was doing. <sighs> Bruh. Yes. So for me, I was like, no matter no matter what positive feedback I got from people, I was just like, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at anything. You know, anything I put, you know, my mind to is not good enough. I'm not good enough. Um, you know, you you look forward to the future and who I would become. And it's like, you ain't lying. <laughs> like the, the struggle between then and now, just to feel comfortable doing any of the things I was doing was immense. Then you throw on, aside from existential personal things, you throw on losing your only sibling. And like at that moment, I mean, I spiraled like to be completely frank. I lost my, my marbles. I'm trying not to curse. <laughs> I, I, look, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, to put it lightly, I, um, I really lost not only myself, but, uh, yeah, I, I lost my sister. Um, people think that, Oh, you know, grief is this like transient thing that you get over quote unquote. Um, you never do, uh, especially when it's grief that's big enough. Uh, I lost my only sibling. And the, the unfortunate part of that was that we had just started to reconnect at that time. We had been kind of estranged for a number of years. Um, you know, my sister was off living her life and doing things. And I just kind of like lost touch with her. And eventually toward that last bit of time, the last couple of months before she passed, we had been starting to talk more and, and reconnect and just kind of be more siblings to each other than we were. Um, funny thing is that I, I was eight years younger than her. And even so, she always called me the older one. Mm. And that was kind of just how it worked out. Like I always had this thing about me that, I was always the quote unquote responsible one, um, which is weird for me being the youngest. Normally you'd think that the youngest would kind of get the, get away with murder kind of thing. Like you just do whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, she always used to tell me that I always seemed like I had my life so together. I'm like, girl, you don't even know. (laughs) And I was trying to like start to tell her about that. And then of course, you know, life said nah we got other plans and it's just like okay so went through that that was traumatic to say the least um you know i was raised in a very very strong hispanic household with traditional values quote unquote um meaning gender roles were strictly the thing you know i was raised male And it was a, you cannot cry. You cannot show emotion. You cannot admit weakness, you know, any, all of those things. Right. And I'm not trying to bash my parents. I love my parents, but there were some things that I had to reckon with when my sister passed, like not dealing with my grief, um, and not knowing how, and it came out in all sorts of terrible ways because, without knowing what a good outlet looks like, you just do whatever. And for people that looks different, depending on who you ask, some people turn to alcohol or drugs or gambling or anything to numb the pain. Right. Right. And it's just like, Oh man, 
if only I had been told that going to a therapist or something was okay at that time, I think my life would have been in a much better position at that point. Um, but yeah, I kind of withdrew from life. I became a hugely depressed person. Um, my anxiety was kicked up to like 11. It was, it was a bad time. (laughs) And I mean, moving here was a blessing, but it also came with all of these extra things to deal with, which I've dealt with. (laughs) And then the pandemic happened. Mm. As we all know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And here's the interesting thing about the pandemic. It is amazing what you learn about yourself when you don't have to be in front of people 24-7. Oh. Bruh. Facts. And I've seen a lot of instances of this from anecdotal stories online and elsewhere. But a lot of people came out in various ways over the pandemic. Either they figured out they were gay or a lesbian or you know, transgender or non-binary or like all sorts of things. And it's because when you have the space away from having to perform your gender or your sexuality in a certain way, in a certain space, you start to go, wait a minute, this feels weird. Why does this feel this way? That's what happened to me. That's when I realized I might be trans. And I was like, oh boy, this is a unexpected thing. Um, you had enough time to think I had enough time to think because I didn't have to keep performing being the dude in public because no one was looking and I was like yeah that doesn't feel right and I don't understand why so it took a bunch of time to figure out and it wasn't something that I was necessarily acutely aware of like you hear that often where people are like I always knew I was X not for me That was not the case. It was something doesn't feel right and I don't know what. So I started exploring, Um, reading books and things and just looking at online resources, got a therapist. Um, But when that realization hit of like, oh crap, I'm trans, it, it was a mix of so many things. It was almost incomprehensible. It was terrifying at first because then you realize all of the life you've lived up to this point is now a question of who was I? Bruh. Man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The the term, what you want to say is like, I can't imagine, but that doesn't do it justice. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a sudden, really fierce reckoning with I acknowledge that what things were was not right for me but also holy crap this means everything has to be examined I have to look at everything now and I did and I still do you and you start making connections from like small experiences as you as you grew up and go wait a minute that was loaded For instance, an experience I talk about often, and and my wife and I talk about this often, is one of the first times that I basically came face-to-face with gender roles. And this was as a child in kindergarten. Um, 
and granted, again, I, I will preface this by saying, I did not know that I was trans until I was well into my 30s. But, like you said earlier, you remember how things and people make you feel. Mm-hmm. That This feeling that I'm going to talk about real quick has stuck with me since the age of like four. <laughs> and basically what it is is that we were all, you know, getting ready for playtime. And all of the boys were going off to one side of the room to play with blocks and action figures and all that stuff. And all of the girls went over to play house, essentially. And, like, do up the kitchen and all this stuff and pretend. I was immediately drawn to playing house with the girls. And now, normally, that shouldn't be an issue (laughs) for a child to just do what they want in playtime, as long as they're not hurting themselves or others. Have fun. Do things. Pretend. Play. The reaction I got when I went over to play with the girls, I was told, boys don't play house. And the thing I remember deepest was this feeling of shame. The immense feeling of shame that made me think, is something wrong with me? Why can't I do that? What makes that wrong? I didn't have the words for it then. Obviously, I was a child. But that feeling that stuck with me was like, I can't do this. Why not? Now I'm sad. <laughs> and I I remember putting down this fake can of Campbell's baked beans and kind of like sulking away to go play with blocks. Not that I didn't like those things either. But just coming face to face with the fact that I was doing something that was viewed as inherently wrong was foreign to me because I was just doing the things that I wanted to do. And when I looked back in the context of hindsight and going, I'm trans, like, oh, that was a clue. Right. That was a clue. And I'm like, also upset and angry because I'm like, how dare those people make me feel shame for being me at four at four let me just it's just yeah it was it's a tough thing to reckon when you're going through your own history and going was this loaded did this talk to my gender identity did this mean this or that yeah it's it's been a struggle people don't talk about the the dirty side of the transition process for people who are going through it. Often you'll see online the, the really positive affirming, you know, instances of like, look, I'm wearing the clothes I want to wear. I'm presenting the way I want to present. I'm happy. There's so much underneath. And it's like anything that you would see in social media or anywhere else. People present what they want to present underneath it all. There's doubt, uncertainty, struggle, pain, and I'm not trying to paint it that like all trans folks are like all dealing with the same stuff. It's nothing could be further from the truth. Everyone's journey is different. Right. But there are plenty of struggles that go along with that, that I wish people would just understand that it's not so simple of going, I'm trans now. Yay. Give me hormones and I'll be happy. Like, no, honey. No, I wish, I wish it were as simple as let me pop a pill or an injection and I'm fine. 
there's so much involved with that because you have to come to terms with the fact that not only are you a person who will now have to navigate life differently, but you will be treated differently because of who you are. And for a lot of folks who don't consider themselves intersectional, especially for some, like let's say someone like me as a, per, a Hispanic person of color who is also trans, um, has different struggles than a person who is white. It's just, it is what it is. For a lot of people, that might be their first foray into what feeling marginalized is like. Mm. Bruh. Yep. And it's it's hard to make connections sometimes because there is that very real gap. And it's almost like the meme of uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean of like, first time, you know what I mean? About to get, you get the news right here, like, well, first time. And it's not, I'm not trying to denigrate anyone's experiences. I'm merely speaking to the fact that like for some people, it's just really new and they don't understand what this means. And I've used that a couple of times to explain it to people like, you're preaching to the choir. I've been there plenty of times in plenty of different ways. This is just another layer for me. Doesn't make it any less difficult or any less fraught with, you know, actual danger. I mean, you talk about Milwaukee, which is where you're from. Milwaukee is one of the places where there's been, I don't even know, over the last eight or nine months, a bunch of trans women of color have been, have been killed. Facts. And you don't hear about those in the news. Not unless you're paying attention. Exactly. And unless you have, unless you have those friends and you're in those, you know, those are, those are people within your, your circle. Exactly. And it's one of those things where it's like, no, again, no one's trying to win the oppression Olympics here. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, this is not a sport I want to get gold in. <laughs> Facts. Like, seriously, I just want everybody to understand that, yeah, everybody struggles with something. Some just have a couple more things added on their plate than they wanted or needed. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's where I'll leave that because we can go on. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think this is the perfect time to insert a commercial break. Did you know there are children in the Fox Valley in need of hearing aids? but their parents struggle to provide them because of lack of insurance or high copays? I am Juliette Sturkins, audiologist and board member of Here in the Fox Cities, and proud that this small local nonprofit organization has helped fund hearing aids for some 30 kids. Your donation would help more children hear. Visit hereinthefoxcities.org to learn more and to see their smiles. Every child deserves to hear. Okay. And now, we're back and it's time for... It is time for the topic of the week. <laughs> and it makes me happy all the time. Um, so, once again, topic of the week is chosen by our guest. And uh, Rafa, what is our topic of the week? Our topic of the week is allyship. All right. Mm-hmm. And as it relates to not just, you know, 
the LGBT community, but in general, we're talking about diversity, we're talking about code switching, we're talking about all these things. But I think what people forget often is what allyship actually means. And again, like I mentioned before, a lot of callbacks. <laughs> it's not flag waving. Allyship doesn't mean I picked up a flag of whatever cause that I think is a just cause and waving that and going, okay, I did my work for the day, I'm going home. Allyship is being a safe person. Allyship is being someone who goes out of their way to learn about the struggles of people that you want to help. It's not just about going, yeah, I support LGBT rights. Yeah, I support, you know, gun legislation or what, whatever the cause may be. doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be about people. It could be about the environment. It could be about whatever you care about. In this day and age, it is no longer enough, I think, personally, to just say you support something. Because those words don't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I, I've i always, I defined it now by you've actually got to include whoever you are allies with in your inner circles. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's bigger than, you know, and I get it, people do like, I support this. I don't have a problem with this. You hear that one, right? I don't have a problem with this. Exactly. You know, but I think it's bigger than that. Uh, Cause I'm a firm believer. Like you don't understand it unless you actually have people inside of your own personal silo that, you know, you, you break bread with. Mm-hmm. I always judge everything by breaking bread. Like it's, you got to sit down and, and drink some coffee with a person, break some bread with a person and not just once. Yep. Indeed. Like it just it's it's got to be part of the fabric of of your you know of the people you associate with or your people who are your friends. Um, that's how I view it because that's the only way to really learn learn. Mm-hmm. Like you can read whatever, you can watch whatever, but how I'm really gonna learn is by having people that have trust in me and I have trust in them, and we talk. Mm-hmm. And. I think one of the really big indicators of whether or not you are actually an ally to someone is if you're even willing to break the bread in the first place. You know what I mean? Ooh, facts. Like that goes hard, bruh. Because <laughs> it's one thing to say I support these issues, but if someone were to go, "Okay, let's sit down and talk about this. Let's have a meal." And there's something, and I specifically agree with the fact of like sharing a meal, sharing a beverage, sharing something, because it is inherently loaded when you are sharing food with someone. And this goes back to my own background in the food industry. Sharing food is a gesture of love, caring, support. If you are willing to basically welcome someone into your space that way, then that's a good starting point. If you're not even willing to sit down with someone for something that is considered a generally peaceful, good, positive thing, you need to re-examine where your where your allyship actually lays. Right. So that's one. That's the test. Ask yourself, would I eat with this person? And I mean, that has a very religious connotation to it, if you think about it. I take it even a level deeper. Would you eat foods with no utensils? Mm. 
See, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that like if you truly want to connect with a person, and I use this all the time, um, if you're going to come and eat with me and I'm really trying to build rapport with you, we're going to go and we're going to eat somewhere where there's no utensils necessary. We're going to eat ribs, mm-hmm. burgers, fries, something you're going to pick up, tacos, something that you pick up with your hands and mm-hmm. there's not this this formal fumbling with utensils and whatnot. No, we're going to we're going to do this with the hands and 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 make it right that meal between people feels different. It does cuz you know what? You're going to be messy, you're going to be, you know, all over the place. You're not going to be you're not going to present the facade, you know? Right. That you can hide because you have a utensil and you're going to eat properly like you said. You're going to get sauce all over your face. You're going to look a fool. You're going to look like you just don't know how to eat. <laughs> I do that on purpose because I just love to eat. So whatever. If you can't deal with me chewing in front of you, that's a whole other issue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That kind of ties in. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm with you on that. Um, but I love that. I love that idea of like literally breaking bread with people who you want to ally with. Um, oftentimes, it's so easy to do, you know, the what they call slacktivism. I'm sure people have heard that term before, slacktivism. Oh, I haven't heard this one. Break this down. Slacktivism is basically like the the equivalent of what I was talking about with flag waving. Mm. You want to you wanna make a big stink about an issue, but you're just complaining as a way to virtue signal. You're just trying to make yourself sound like you're a more caring, more empathetic in- individual than the next guy or girl because you you say you care about something it's like i have plenty of people i know who say they care about trans issues and and you know black lives matter and all these things it's like what have you done if you care so much and and like you can't get indignant about things and not do something about it. I feel like that's a that's a misplacement of of potentially positive energy. Mm. If you have the feeling that's strong enough that it's making you upset, channel that. Do something. For me, speaking my peace is part of how I seek to help raise awareness and understanding not just because i'm a trans woman not just because i'm a person of color the more i speak the more visible i become the more visible i become the more normalized i become the more normalized i become the less fear there is around my existence that's how i look at this bruh facts yeah is there a lot to be afraid of of course we live in society. <laughs> so let me let me throw this out there because I do think this is um sure. I think this falls under there too. And and you know, I think we all do this and and this I I'm not gonna point fingers at others. I'm gonna point fingers at myself and mm-hmm. just say like not necessarily um my interactions with our LGBTQ community or transgender um uh, individuals, um, but the idea like when you don't know, you don't know. So therefore you don't even know what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely support. 
but I don't even know what to do with my support. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Like, uh, what, what do I do? Right. Like, cause I do feel like there's this, this blatant, there's this place of blatant ignorance because there's, it's not spelled out for you. Like a lot of this is new. Yeah. Right. So a lot of this is new. Um, depending on your environment or your community, there may not even be places to support. Correct. And this is definitely something that I'm glad you brought up. You know, and, and so, like, I I want to give those other people, like, because I do. I, I think I have good conversations with individuals who are just like, Timber, I totally support, and I want people to do what people do, and they there's their lives and and yeah i have no issues right you hear this all the time mm-hmm. right right yep but i don't know how to support and i'm scared that if i support i'll support wrongly and then i'll be canceled oh yeah that's that's the big fear now but well, i'm just like i i want to for the cash listeners i want to put that side of things out there like what do you do when you don't know what to do or or how do you navigate that? Because there is, like, let's be honest, there's this space of all-out ignorance. Oh, yes. Like, I run into I'd, not as much anymore as I used to, you know, several years ago or many years ago and stuff like that, where there's enough people that kind of know they know something. <laughs> and if they don't know, their kids know, and their kids are telling them, don't do that. Yep. But what do they do? Whenever you don't know something... And, and this goes for myself as well, because there's plenty of stuff I don't know anything about. Right. Either read about it from a good source. That's mm. important. Um, local libraries are a great place to start. L- like, learn about the topic, first of all. And if you happen to know someone who knows someone, ask, first and foremost, open your mouth and say, I don't know this. Who around me does? I think people get so caught up in being called out for just being ignorant of something that that feeling of of judgment and fear is very strong and it prevents people from taking even one step forward because they're like, like you said, I'm going to make a fool of myself. What do I do? Say something first. Just literally raise your hand and go, I have no idea what's happening here. Can someone help me? And you know what? This this ties into another very nuanced conversation. Um, because often, and I will say this again, and I'm sure you've dealt with this too, Timber. As, as people of color, as LGBT folks, as people from marginalized communities and backgrounds, we often will be looked at as the spokespeople for our entire demographic. <laughs> Nope. Yeah, no. Never's happened to me. <laughs> Bruh. It's one of those things where like you get plenty of people asking, how do I help? And if you happen to belong to said community that people want to ally with, you become literally the storehouse of knowledge for the entirety of people like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've dealt with that for many, many different parts of my life professionally from a work standpoint because of the knowledge I have about food and about technology I am looked at as if I know everything about those topics 
from every angle. As a person who is Puerto Rican from New York, I am looked at as the beacon of all Puerto Rican New Yorkers, as all New Yorkans. And it's like, guys, there's millions of us. Um, same thing with, you know, trans folks. A lot of my friends are like, what can you tell me about this? Which there is the whole side of it of like, I'm not here to teach you. I am not here to be your teachable moment, which is something that I'm, I'm sure someone has heard at one point or another. I am not here to be your teacher, but by that same token, yes, it's a burden on me as a person of color who is marginalized in a lot of different ways. But at the same time, if I know that you're going to go and seek information about me, about people like me, and I'm not exactly sure that you're going to hit upon a source that is actually speaking to the real, the realness of what it is to be like me, I'd rather teach you myself. You know? I'd rather at least I give you my personal, you know, story so you can have some intro. Have a frame of reference. Something, you know? Yeah. And that's not to say that every person you learn from will also be teaching an objectively good way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because everyone's experiences are colored by what they went through. And some people are going to have really positive things to say, and others will be like, the world is a horrible place. Please just exit now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Bro, facts. Um, so it's one of those things where allyship is, is tough because, yeah, people are afraid. But just say something. Literally just post on online and be like, I don't know anything. And yeah, of course, you're opening yourself up. That's the problem, right? That's really the, the crux of the issue. Vulnerability. People are afraid to be allies because they're afraid to be vulnerable in whatever aspect that means. And hell, I don't want to put myself out there and look like a fool. And I also don't want to look ignorant. And I also don't want to look like I'm just talking out the side of my face and saying, I like this thing. I support this thing. And yet I don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. I know that I want to. But ask questions, raise your hand, say, someone help me, guide me in the right direction. And of course, there will be some people who will be, you know, just kind of jackasses about it and be like, all right, Google it. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, dude. I, I have a dual, I feel like that whole thing is a dual sword. Yeah, of course. Of, you know, when the people are like, go read on it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I don't trust what you might read. Yeah. I'm going to... This is me. I'm going to have that conversation because at least I want to, I want to give a positive energy into your, your, the fact that you, you want to do better and your curiosity about it and give a frame of reference in which to operate from. I'm going to give, I'm going to give time to it because then I'm, I think about it like the ripple, the, the, the rock in the pond, um, that ripple effect like mm -hmm. when you run into the next person from said identity from said community from said demographic from said diversity mm -hmm. you just might be just a little less anxious and a little more comfortable to have a normal conversation maybe you don't break bread with me but maybe i open the door for you to break bread with them amen and so that's how I look at it. I, I'm willing and, and 
part of that is because I've been in the work. I, I'm, I'm a person, uh, when you are a marginalized community member in a region like this for like 30 years, you're that you're just, it's par for the course. It's part of what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. And no matter, you can't escape it because no matter where you work, you're going to ask you, Seriously. <laughs> they're going to ask you to do, can you do the Martin Luther King? No, no. no. <laughs> can you do that? Yeah. Can you be on set? And you know, and, and you know some of those experiences are totally amazing, and some of those experiences are trying and, Very much and so. tiring. Um, but I choose to take some of that on as a responsibility. So I, I think of it much like, and and I don't want to give any kind of credit to this level, but I think of it like. Um, our ancestors who fought for other things uh, Mm -hmm. to clear the path for today for us. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that being willing and giving energy and time to some of that is doing exactly that for our children and our grandchildren and our great grandchildren. Someone's got to do it, right? Someone's got to do it. It, 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 Yeah. 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 And and it usually means, if I don't see anybody else doing it, I guess it's got to be me. Sometimes. You know? At least that's how I view it. Some, sometimes. <laughs> um, sometimes. But, yeah, I think one of the easier ways that you can be an ally, be a decent human being. And what I mean by that is <laughs> listen to people. facts that's one of those things you do you know how many problems can be solved by just shutting up and listening to someone for a second Mm. instead of trying to offer a solution or trying to tell someone why their experience is wrong or tell them that they are thinking about something in the wrong way just listen for a minute often people don't want an answer they want to be understood they want to be heard yeah and yeah, exactly. Not even understood. I just, sometimes I, you know, I air my grievances to my wife and my friends. I don't want them to fix my problem. I know that they can't. And I know often all I want is someone to listen to me about whatever it is. It could be about my transition. It could be about work. It could be about anything. If I feel heard, that goes a long way to make me feel valued and safer if you can learn to listen to people around you who need you, you become a beacon of safety for people, especially from marginalized backgrounds. If people can trust you and feel safe with you, you're as good as gold. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Once you break the the plane of trust, you're in. Yes. And then you will learn all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And you will be invited to things that you didn't know existed. Oh, yeah. And you will have levels of fun that you did not know were possible. Oh, definitely. It is one of the things that people people think is not real. Like, you know, you hear the whole idea of, like, you're invited to the cookout now. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I'll be talking to people like, you You can come. You and your raisins can't come. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and that is that is one of the highest honors among among us. Folks of color being invited to the cookout because mm-hmm. you know every every culture has one. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> we all got our cookouts, and everybody likes to 
have more people because the more people you bring to the cookout. And actually, this just made me think of something. Anytime anybody's ever confused about diversity and they get stuck on the idea of like the whole zero-sum game thing where it's like if this person gets rights or special treatment or whatever, that means I lose something. No, 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 honey. Think of it as a cookout. When you go to a cookout, you usually bring something. Mm-hmm. Everybody brings something to the cookout. What happens in that situation? All of a sudden, there isn't less food to go around. There's more. It's not like, you know, the one person that brought the plates and the napkins. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> you know that person. That's the exception. Mm-hmm. Um, I take that personally because that seems like a pot shot at the uncle. Because <laughs> it's the uncle who do that. Oh, good Lord. That's funny. Uh, but, you know, like that's what it is. Everybody that gets a little confused about diversity, think of it that way. Cook, go to the cookout. There's more for everybody. The more diversity you have, the pie is bigger and there's more. Um, but getting back, being a good ally being safe enough to be brought into the proverbial cookout is massively important, especially among, you know, the LGBT youth of today. Um, You know, my own nieces included, you know, they are definitely grappling with their own places in the world. And there are very few people I know that they can feel safe with, even within my own family. I'm certainly counted among one of the safe people, but I know that that's not the case for everything else. Um, be there. Listen to people. Just be the safe harbor. Really, that's that's first. The other thing, and this is really direct, donate. Find, find a reputable charity that you really care about that pertains to the thing you want to support. Donate. These, you know, at whatever topic it happens to be, are usually severely underfunded. Most are nonprofits. Right. Nonprofit work is not where money is. There's no profit, as in the name, nonprofit. Um, and, and people tend to get mad at the idea that, you know, there are costs involved with running a nonprofit. And that's where a lot of donations can tend to go. Overhead, you know, office space, you know, IT infrastructure, marketing, getting things out there. Often that's not going to line the pockets of anybody in the organization. No, it's just for actually just keeping the lights on logistics, uh, just to actually run and be functional and like basics. If you can keep these things running, you're doing a hell of a good job already. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's one. I will say that, um, you know, one of the things that I'm looking into doing is actually uh, volunteering some spare time for the Trevor Project, which is an LGBT suicide prevention uh, service. And I mean, I believe my wife actually volunteered for them a number of years back. Um, and it's a small commitment. It's like three hours a week mm. after you complete their training. I was looking into it and I'm just like, yeah, I want to do this because I want to be more active in my own community. And actually be a person who can speak to experiences that are relevant to people like me who are younger, like my nieces, who don't have that support and feel like their lives 
are worthless or that no one loves them. And even among like a small group of friends that I have online who I know are all like in the community with me, I tell them every day, in case no one told you today, I love you. You have no idea how powerful those words can be for someone. That's that's something that I need everyone to really listen and hear me. Tell someone that you know that might be struggling that you love them. <laughs> yes. Often with the rates of suicide and self-harm in the LGBT community, um, I, I, I know that many of those people would still be here if they felt like someone loved them. And yeah, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> we, really emotional. Yeah, cash listeners, this, um, you already know. It's one of those things where it's like we have enough trouble living day to day as ourselves. It is a it is a massive injustice to go through life thinking that no one and nothing cares about your existence. Tell someone that you love them. Just say the words, just I love you. And I will guarantee that at some point you will literally be the hero that saves someone's life. Facts. Okay. I, I, any last words? Do we have last words? Do we, do we stand on that? I, I think we can. Um, I mean, really, if I wanted to end on anything... Before you rush to judgment of anyone, get to know them. Learn who they are. Because I'm willing to bet 95% of the people you meet are decent, good, loving people that just want to go about their day and live their lives. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter who they are, where they're from. Most people just want to live and live happily. Get to know people. Get close with people. Learn who's around you. Learn about their experiences. Enrich your own existence by including others. Make friends. And just just be there for each other. Facts. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kosh listeners. Uh, thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, thank you for giving us your minds for a while, being part of this conversation. Whew. Sometimes there's really this power in the room. So what I want to say is, as always, we are a work in progress. If you would like to be part of the show um, in any type of capacity, um, want to be a guest or in some other way that I'm not thinking of yet, please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at askthekosh at gmail.com. Once again, that is ask 
thekosh at gmail.com. I guarantee you I read every email. I am the person who responds to all those emails. So please reach out. Let us know what's going on. Uh, let us know if we're doing a good job or not. Um, once again, if you'd like to be part of the show, we also have a voicemail. So don't hesitate to do a shout out, uh, send a birthday wish, uh, send us a message, ask a question, uh, whatever it is, uh, we will play it live on the show. So once again, that is, uh, that phone number is 920-385-9298. Once again, that is 920-385-9298. And then the last thing is once again, cash listeners. And I want to thank you so much, uh, for some doing this and starting it's starting to happen please 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 leave us a review let let us know how we're doing or let others know how we're doing uh subscribe to the podcast and share with your inner circle and your outer circle uh this podcast because i do think that this podcast has a way of um we get so many good voices and it's a great platform for you to learn about the people in your community. Um, who do you live with and who's around here and how do we connect with them and how do we share with them and what can we learn from each other? Um, I think we're providing a really, really cool platform for the, for that. Um, if you don't know where else, maybe here, maybe here at the cash. All right. So, more importantly, now on to my favorite part of the show. You already know what's up. It is shout out time. So, Rafa, what do you got for shout outs? All righty. So, for shout outs, I wanted to speak to one person first. Uh, my awesome former coworker and amazing friend who is uh, an Oshkosh native, uh, Stacy Gelhar. Um, she is a burgeoning artist uh, who will be at the Oshkosh Art Collective show on April 1st, uh, along with many other local artists and artisans um, showcasing their, their talents. And I think that's an amazing chance to get more exposure to things. We're talking about exposure to different facets of life and people. I think that's a good thing to go and see. Um, I myself am going to try my best to make it out there, but Stacy, I love you. You're amazing. And you're one of my biggest supporters. Um, I would not be here if not for you, um, on the gosh, you know, and just feeling more comfortable in my own skin. You are one part of the fabric of my existence. So, um, and of course the, the other really, 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 really big shout out is to my amazing partner, and wife, Ariella Rosa. Um, yeah, things have been crazy the past three years. And yet you still stick by me and all of my nonsense. So I love you. And I want you to be happy and know that I care about you and I'm broadcasting this to the world. <laughs> I, I love you dearly. And if I had the chance, I would keep serving you breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, in a non-educational environment, of course, <laughs> for as long as you'll allow. Um, yeah, that, I think that's good enough. And of course, my youngest niece, Eliana, um, who is dealing with a lot of uh, health issues at the moment. I, I love you dearly, and I'm praying for you, and Auntie is here for you. Thank you. 
Okay, my shout outs this week. Uh, I want to send a shout out to Greg, Jason, Byron, Heidi, and Mike, and anyone else who was at the viewing party for the UWO boys basketball game at Beckett's. Once again, the Kosh, uh, UW Oshkosh, particularly, that's my fam. And whenever I see these people, it's always warm. Ooh, and Paul. Can't forget Paul. Um, whenever I run into these people, it's always warm and it just feels it feels familiar. It feels like family. So thank you so much. It was good to see you all there. Um want to send a shout out to the men's basketball team. I know we did not make it to the final four, but you still Ooh, it was a tough game, but to make it to the elite eight is nothing to sneeze at. So that's a serious shout out. Shout out to the coach, our coach, Matt Lewis. He is fantastic. Um, I want to send a shout out to uh, Dylan over at Beckett's. Dude, why are you so cool? You just a cool dude. Like, seriously, man, I appreciate you. And send a shout out to Wendy and Brian. Uh, some of my uh, in-laws there, like, they're solid, solid, like, their family, their love. All right. So those are my shout outs for this week. Um now, time to start wrapping it up. And we are at the final part of the show. There's only one thing left to do. So, final part of the show is parting. You have a choice. Your choice is you can do parting words of wisdom. Or you can share with us what would yourself today share with your 12-year-old self. Or there's always option C, which is all of the above. So, you can do both. All right. Rafa, what do you want to do? All right. I think I'm going to be again in line with my nature and be a glutton and do it all yes um so advice to my younger self let's do that one first i would say figure your crap out um (laughs) like don't be afraid to ask for help and examine yourself and don't don't listen to the voices around you that say this is just what life is question that question what life is supposed to be quote unquote go outside of your comfort zone and maybe invest in bitcoin <laughs> facts um and then words of wisdom i mean i feel like i dropped a lot of practical things that people can hold on to um but if i had to really pick up little nugget of wisdom that I could share. It would be listen to your gut. And what I mean by that is little voice inside of you that tells you either something is not right, something doesn't feel right, or like it says, you should be doing X, Y, or Z. Listen to that voice. what you think this was amazing and i'm so glad i finally got here me too the cash <laughs>